0: Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. Yeah, basically just regular
1: dudes drinking beer. We talk about magic arena in particular, and competitive play, as you'll see later today.
0: Yeah, and our main topic for today, besides Strixhaven spoilers, which we're going to have for the next few weeks, is the Kaldheim Championship that just happened this last weekend. Uh, but first, each week we both bring a beer, we drink our own, then we drink each other's, then rate them on a scale of Bronze to Mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what's on tap?
1: All right. Uh, this week I brought something from Bench Brewing Company called Jordan Harbor Pale Ale. It's 5.2%. The can is really nice. It's like a purple-tinted kind of drawing, I guess, of a uh, ship in a harbor, presumably Jordan Harbor. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to give this one a try. what did you bring?
0: Uh, I brought Sparkle Puff uh, from Flying Monkeys. It's 10.2%, and it is uh, not one, not two, but triple IPA. Does that make sense? Whatever. Uh, and it has not like single, a- single, not double, but triple. Yeah, exactly, whatever. <laughs> um <laughs> it doesn't have one ipa it has three um oh <laughs> uh, whatever uh there's a neon laser kitten on the uh artwork this is very strange but that's normal for flying monkeys so all right Whew, we got a lot of stuff to talk about this week holy moly so much stuff holy yeah. shit okay so in magic news everything happened there's a ton of shit that happened um, yeah. which is mainly going to be our uh, spoilers we're going to talk about. But the big thing was there's a surprise and Arena is now on iOS so I can finally play on my iPhone. Hooray! Yay. It's actually pretty <laughs> sweet. I was very stoked because now I can just check the store by myself and like if there's like you know free gems or something and I wasn't planning on getting on that day, I don't have to open my computer. I can just be on the couch and I'm like, boom, got my free gems.
1: That's not a bad idea. Yeah. I actually haven't... My phone can play the previous version of Arena, and I haven't even downloaded it. Oh,
0: can't believe you. (laughs) And you said you liked (laughs) this game. Ridiculous. (laughs) Um, Well, real quick, how'd your Arena a week go? Uh,
1: Pretty good. Um, Nothing crazy.
0: I didn't play in any events or anything, but uh,
1: I sort of just got inspired by watching the Kaldheim Championship this weekend, so I played a lot more uh, yesterday and sunday night than than in the rest of the week but yeah just playing on the ladder was fun
0: nice very cool i have big news as of maybe three hours ago i made mythic
1: Woo! we gotta celebrate that
0: yes All you have to do is not say you're going to do it at the beginning of the month and just try it later when you're like, whatever. I'm. That's close.
1: awesome. Get there with auras?
0: I sure did. I got there with uh, Zorius. Nope. <laughs> I got there with <laughs> o- Orzhov auras. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, that feels Last week, every good. time
1: Zach said a Zorius, he meant Orzhov.
0: Yeah. Or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Um, anyway, so that's very exciting. I'm happy to be there for the next, I don't know, like 18 hours before it's... Uh, over by the time this episode comes out there will be a new season um anyway well you'll
1: have to t- start calling it silver quill auras to not get confused.
0: yes <laughs> we already have even talked about that silver quill yeah. auras is what it's going to be now known as uh all right let's get into some strict haven talk because that's what's been buzzing around every everything
1: yeah and i feel like uh maybe the best place to start is the mystical archive um we have all of them now i think I believe so we, we know do. what's been added to historic and all that. Yes. And there's some cool stuff here.
0: Yeah. So if you are not familiar with uh, Mystical Archive, it's a new thing that they're adding. Well, new it's one of these things that they're adding to the boosters for Strixhaven where there's a certain number of cards. In this case there's sixty three and there's one in each Strixhaven booster pack. Um, for us on Arena it's it's the same. There are gonna be one in each like draft uh, booster and then one in each booster that you open up uh, and they don't take the rare slot which is a big deal hooray double rare double yes double rare possibilities which is fantastic uh, they have a special frame and all that fun stuff there are some Japanese promos as well um, which hopefully in arena will get a as- like different uh, card styles or, or things like that, because they look pretty awesome.
1: They do, yeah. I, and I don't know if you mentioned this, but they're all instances and sorceries, and they're all reprints.
0: Yes, sorry. All instances and sorceries, all reprints. Um, some of them, super powerful. Some of them, meh. So Not so powerful. Yeah, <laughs> uh, And some of them we actually already had
1: in Historic, uh, but we get updated art if you like this exactly. frame and, and art better. So
0: it's important, even though they're coming from the Strixhaven boosters, they are not standard legal um however all but seven of them will be historic legal uh but there are seven cards that are just too powerful for historic but they wanted to reprint them with some sweet new art those include demonic tutor channel dark ritual lightning bolt counterspell swords to plowshares and natural order which they all kind of make sense they shouldn't be in historic
1: perfect i mean some of them maybe you could debate like lightning bolts Mm -hmm. yeah i'm kind of glad they didn't put lightning bolt into historic but you can make a case for it uh, but most of them just, yeah, absolutely not. You can't have dark ritual in, in store.
0: Yeah. I don't need demonic tutor or channel or anything like that. So, yeah. However, they are in draft, so get ready for some weird stuff to happen in draft. I guess. But some of these cards like aren't even good in draft, right? Like Dark
1: Ritual is not that good in draft. No. It has to line up so perfectly for it to be good.
0: I'd, I'd probably still pick it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how amazing it would be, but it would feel pretty fun. Uh, however, it does mean that we're getting like a mini historic anthology getting kind of injected into historic through this set, yeah, I think it's kind of cool,
1: actually, the way they're doing that. I, I mean, agree. They could have done this as a separate anthology that kind of accompanied the set, mm-hmm. but I think it's more fun to have these kind of chase cards in the packs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is there anything you're particularly excited about getting added to Historic?
0: Um, honestly, Manatith. I think that's one of my. I'm
1: gonna get hit with Manatith so many times. Oh,
0: it's gonna be great. Um, yeah, I think. I do kind of like those spells. I, I don't know how effective it's going to be. It's probably not going to be that great. Um, but I do like that card quite a bit, um, though I think people will be more like prepared for it. Well, one of the things that you do with these
1: types of cards, if you're playing in a decklist event, which is all of them now, any event you play in is open decklist, you put one mana tithe in your deck and people just play around it for the, every game on every <laughs> turn. And it's just, like, you get so much value of them just seeing 1x mana time, because they don't want to get got by that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It's like when Luis uh, LSV had the one, settle the wreckage, in his sideboard of the Pro Tour. And that wasn't open deck lists, but everyone knew the team he was working with. And so he settled the wreckage one guy, and then it, like, spreads that they have settled the wreckage in their sideboard. Mm-hmm and he was the only one that had it. They just wanted one person on the team to have to settle the wreckage to get people to play around it.
0: That's so funny. This won't be as cool as that, but yeah, I think it's going (laughs) to be pretty sweet. I am also interested in faithless looting as well. I don't know how you feel about it, um, but I'm excited for it. But I also have... How I feel about the card, or...? The card, the card going into Historic. Uh, I think it could be a
1: mistake. It's a little too good if you've Mm -hmm. ever
0: played formats that
1: have faithless looting in them uh the, the games often just become all about faithless looting but i'm excited to try it like if they want to suspend it later they could suspend it later yeah that's, yep. the immediate thing that comes to mind is Arc Light phoenix decks mm-hmm. um this is what they were missing just one mana really good spell for the deck and then also we have like the hollow one thing you could try to do the uh the hollow one exactly. cycling deck
0: yeah <clears throat> I've already seen Arc Light Phoenix decks uh, being built, just waiting for that card to be to just slot it in. Yeah, exactly. And you're getting
1: brainstormed too out of mm-hmm. this, which I don't know if it's good enough for historic because you don't have fetch lands, but it's certainly worth a try.
0: Yeah. Um, so that seems interesting. However, uh, most of the news around Faithless Looting was not about it going to historic. It was actually about the art on the card. Right. So if you haven't seen it yet, um, go check it out. It was uh, all over the place. Boy, uh, was that just a whole circus. Right. So the artist did two
1: cards, right? She Correct. did Harmonize as well. Yes. And she has a very distinct style. If you go to her website, you'll see that most of her pieces are like this, where it's kind of uh, hand, a lot of hand-drawn elements that are designed to intentionally look hand-drawn. And then there's usually like a model or like an actual photo, it looks like, of a person.
0: Yeah. So it's a photorealistic painting with a bunch of kind of blocks of color, it almost feels like, around it. Um, and if you go on their website, her name is Carly, I, uh, Carly Majure, I, I think is how you pronounce that. Um, don't quote me on that, but, um, it's not even just like the art style because people saw the harmonized one and like don't even care about it um but the faithless looting one really did something to a lot of people
1: (coughs) it it drew a lot of hate
0: a Um, lot a lot of hate um i don't know why i think it looks fine i didn't (coughs) love it when i first saw it and when it first got spoiled a lot of people were saying that it was photoshopped or it was like a fake card and so that was the first kind of wave that it felt like what was happening. And everyone's like, there's no way they're putting Faithless Looting into Historic. This is fake, someone just threw this together. And then slowly people started to realize it was real and Watsi had to be like, this is a real card, that's the real art, we're right. doing this. I personally don't love the art, but I also think it was ridiculous that people were in such like up in arms about it. But you know, I'm always surprised when people do that and I don't know why. They're always gonna be mad about yeah. something.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I think this art, it's, it's different. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not what Magic usually does. But I think it matches this frame. Like, the frame kind of looks a little, like, hand-drawn or thrown together. Yeah. Uh, It has that aesthetic to it already. Like, there's no gradients in it, just solid colors. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of blocky stuff. Um, And also, like, over the years, Magic has had a lot of different types of art. And... um, you know people always want to say point at something and say hey this isn't a magic card when it's like well have you seen the art for stasis like that is you know very out there and yeah, different yeah exactly uh this also happened yeah. with hushbringer um you know this is people will will be really upset about something and then the more you look at it the more you're like "Ah, yeah, whatever and then you know you stop caring
1: yeah so and hopefully they give you like the japanese art version as well, so you can use that
0: one you can if you choose. don't like this. That's, that was the big art. thing that I was thinking coming into this was uh, so there are Japanese versions of all the mystical archive cards, um, which is actually pretty sweet. Also if you look at both the arts, they are depicting the same thing. Um, so in the Oh, that's cool. The Faithless I didn't notice that. Yeah, so the Faithless looting one, um, it's a picture of this like shirtless figure, uh, kind of with some sort of dress or like cloak or whatever, but it's they're holding um something that's on fire and pouring out something that kind of looks like blood and then in the the japanese one it's the same thing but a different style but it has someone doing the same actions um wearing different clothes and stuff but uh, it's actually pretty cool the more you look at them side by side you're like it was very well put together the way the art direction that they were going with is really cool
1: um yeah i mean i was just looking at all the japanese ones and i couldn't tell which one was faith and Sluding, but now i've identified it because you told me that yeah
0: so, and that was an easy way when you had seen one of them, you can kind of figure out what it was, because obviously the Japanese ones are in Japanese.
1: Yeah, the Japanese ones look really They cool, look
0: though. absolutely amazing. Um, so, I yeah. really hope that they're easy, e- like you can get them fairly easy in, in uh, Arena. Um, and they can make it like the
1: Phyrexian Vorinclex thing, where it looks like this in Japanese, and if I hover over it, it'll give me
0: English. In English, exactly. So, easy for, for Arena. For us to to figure it out but yeah
1: I think the card I'm most excited about here is uh Inquisition of Kozilek
0: really okay just
1: uh, Historic I'm not sure if it's going to be as good in Historic as it is in Modern Mm -hmm. because in Modern the format's so fast that everyone plays like every card is three mana or less but I think in Historic it's a bigger cost to say three mana value mana value three or less but it's still just so much better than Thoughtseize in a lot of matchups I can definitely see that two life. yes. Um, Like usually, um, black-based mid-range decks in Modern, or probably in Pioneer. I don't know if Inquisition is in Pioneer, but I think it might be. They'll play something like four Inquisitions and two Thoughtseize will be their kind of discard spread.
0: Gotcha. That makes sense. So
1: there, in Modern, it's kind of taken over as the better discard spell because, like I said, everything is mana value three or less. Um, but in Historic, a lot of the stuff people play is not mana value three or less, but boys are going to be good against Auras.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it will be good against Auras. Um, <laughs> Love to see them Lurus decks, you know, where they they have to
1: play stuff every, with mana value three or less. So I
0: guess that, that I didn't really think about it hosing it so badly. I was thinking people were just still going to play Thoughtseize, but if they're playing main deck like six, basically, ugh, I don't really like that. Like
1: Thoughtseize is so bad against Gruul. That's part of the problem.
0: Like All their three drops do the same thing. Mm-hmm. They smash face, Just, and you don't want to take the two damage. Yeah, that does make sense. However, I'm going to want Thoughtseize against any control deck, of course. So, um, It will be interesting to see the, the different ways w- when you want to play them and when you don't. Oh, real quick, though. I actually, I lied. That's the, se- the card I'm second
1: most excited for. The card I'm most excited for is Stone Rain, baby. Oh, yes. Yes. It's coming. Stone Rain. Here we go. Turn three, Stone Rain. Turn four, Kicked Goblin Ruin Blaster. Let's go. <laughs> You're still on two lands.
0: Oh, boy. I thought you were going to say Lightning Helix, but I guess not. <laughs> That's in my past. Yeah. Oh, it's just it's just in the past. <laughs> That's um, little
1: aggro Jeff that had four Lightning Helixes at the start of every deck.
0: Yeah. All right, so I know four cards for sure.
1: Yeah. Lightning Helix. Uh, I don't think I had any Lightning Bolts. I maybe had one or two. Yeah. <laughs> <had> some shocks. <laughs> but yeah, these, this looks cool. I'm excited to... I think this is really going to shape uh, Historic. Like, it's going to shake it up. Yeah. Because there's a lot of really good cards that they're adding.
0: I definitely think it's going to shake it up. And I, I don't know if they exactly have a plan of what they want the format to do. But I think it's really cool that they're just like, here's some more stuff. Figure it out. You know? That's how I... It looks like looks like them. they're
1: intentionally adding a couple of decks. Like, this seems pretty targeted at Phoenix because there's, like, Electrolyze, Brainstorm, uh-huh. uh, Faithless Looting.
0: Yeah. Well, definitely, like, hey, obviously it's spells because they're all spells. Um, but, like, hey, spells decks. Here's some sweet spell stuff. Um, also, did you miss Storm? Here you go. Here's some Storm oh, cards. Oh, right,
1: Storm. Yeah, <laughs> I totally thought Storm the cards were not going to be allowed in this store, but they yeah. are.
0: All of a sudden, they're like, hey, here you go. <clears throat> so we have... I don't m-
1: think Storm has the... Um, rituals to pull exactly, it off,
0: but. Um, but it's like there's mind's desire, there's grape shots, there's tendrils of agony. So uh, we'll see if someone can try to throw some stuff together. But they did, they are fulfilling the prophecy of Grinning Ignis uh, from Future Sight, which is that uh, three mana, two two, that you can pay one red to return it to uh, its owner's hand, and then you add the amount of mana that it costs right. to play it. Um, so there might be some shenanigans with that and, like, Burji, I think, where you can keep okay. bouncing it over and over again, and then you just make your Storm count really high, and then you blast somebody with a Grape Shot. Because so, every time you
1: cast it, you get the one mana to bounce it back.
0: Exactly. <coughs> so
1: That's a uh, lot of work, though. <laughs> it
0: is, but, you know, I'm sure people will, will jump through some hoops to play some Storm.
1: Yeah, that's a three-card combo. So yeah. Know, that kind of thing feels allowable to me three card combo two of them are creatures so they're easy to
0: interact with exactly but yeah i am uh i'm pretty stoked about these uh this archive they all look pretty awesome and uh yeah i'm i think the biggest thing is that i i am really just really happy that there's one in each pack you can get double rares it's just going to be abundant there has been some talk about uh being frustrated that uh, a lot of them have been upshifted in rarity so that you're going to have to tax your wild cards really heavily to get them. Um, but I think they're, you know, you're going to see them so commonly through your packs and in your drafts that uh, you'll be able to collect the ones that you want.
1: Yeah, really cool idea. And uh, looks, to me, just from looking at this list, uh, it seems like it was well executed.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I hope they do more of this. Um, I really enjoy, like, if every set now had, like, a Historic Anthology just stapled to it, that'd be sick.
1: Yeah, because that's kind of what's happening, right? It's like, we release a new set, uh, but we don't want to have to push the power level to make it relevant for Historic. So let's just staple some new cards to Historic. Yeah. At the same or,
0: way. hey, how do we make reprints for Commander players um, that they're doing in like packs? Like, oh, well, if we don't do a whole set that's just devoted to them, we can just staple some stuff into this set already, and then they'll just they'll buy the cards for that set, and then... They get these other ones. It just seems like a win-win. I really like For it. For sure. Yeah.
1: Every set That's might great. be a bit much, but, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't hate seeing more of this.
0: You know, maybe like twice a year or something. Um, two mm-hmm. of the sets have it. That'd be, that'd be pretty sweet.
1: Like, however often they normally do these historic anthologies. Exactly. So. Just always do this instead.
0: Yeah. It feels like we're getting, uh, Historic is just kind of getting showered on right now, which is wonderful. I love yeah. that because Historic is great.
1: Yeah. They need to make gen food, not the obvious best deck, so. Got to add some more
0: stuff. Exactly. Just inject some things into there. So you'll, at least on the ladder, you'll play against different decks, which even today I was playing against a bunch of different stuff. With just people building decks, getting ready for these cards, you can tell like, oh, this deck, you're just waiting until this card comes out. So this is your version until then. Right, yeah. Um, (laughs) Which is pretty cool. But as far as like actual Strixhaven spoilers go. Yeah,
1: Strixhaven proper
0: now. Mm -hmm. It's the real new cards that are coming out. Um, wow! Also, we've had so many cards revealed.
1: I know <laughs> it's because, like, I think you told me that they're only doing two weeks of spoilers and then they're doing a week of like commander. Yeah. Spoilers.
0: So basically, what? Um, okay. So I just wanted to have a, a mini, another mini rant. This it's not really a rant, but um, so last week I was kind of frustrated with how quickly spoilers uh, start for a new set from another set ending and all this stuff, and then as soon as spoilers started, I was. One hundred percent on board. I'm like, oh yeah, I cannot wait for these new cards. This is going to be so awesome. Cool. I was like, this is sweet. Let's go. um And you know, I was dreading it for like a month coming up to this, knowing it was so early. And then I just get a little taste, and I'm like, I'm all in, baby. Let's all go. All in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Complete one eighty. So yeah, I I have completely changed. I haven't changed my mind because I know that when Strixhaven's towards the end, and then. Uh, Forgotten Realms is going to come up. I'm going to start feeling like, oh, no, it's too early, blah, blah. blah. But it's just the cycle that happens four times a year, except for five for yeah. this year. But anyway, um, so.
1: I'm looking forward to Forgotten Realms, though. So.
0: I'm looking forward to everything. But right now. Not because
1: I'm a D&D fan at all, but because I want them to, you know, give me more party stuff.
0: Yeah. See if we can actually do party. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, but anyway, as Strixhaven, before we get way off topic. So. Um, <laughs> What was I even trying to talk about? Strix I don't Haven. know, but
1: you were getting on a soapbox.
0: I was, yeah, my soapbox was. Uh, <laughs> what was I going to say? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was so much preamble that you forgot what you were going to say.
0: <laughs> Maybe that's all I wanted to say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm just pretty stoked for these uh, <laughs> Strixhaven spoilers. Um, we've gotten to see they've been kind of coming out with like college by college, it feels like. Um,
1: yeah, not like totally. They're not sort of restricting themselves to that. Exactly. I think we got the, uh, the Quandrix dragon today, even mm. though today was kind of, you know, unofficially Prismari
0: day. Exactly. Yeah, and we also saw the Silver one earlier um, mm-hmm. and some other stuff in, like, the announcement video and all those kinds of things. Um, but I will say that I have never been more excited for white and red cards.
1: Oh, man. Lorehold looks so awesome. This is a thing that's been happening on Twitter. Like, everyone's just saying, wow, Lorehold looks great.
0: Yeah, it looks really, really cool.
1: Yeah, it's such a fresh take on red-white. So it's basically, like, graveyard-themed. Yeah. Right? But it's done in a very red-white kind of history. It's all, like,
0: artifacts, enchantment kind of stuff that you're digging up from your graveyard. And whenever, like, there's a lot of effects that, like, when something gets exiled from your graveyard, you get to make something. And there's cards that, like, it's... Uh, you know, a, a bear. It's like a 2-2 two, two for 2. But then when it dies, you can pay 5 and exile it and make a 3-2 later. It's like, oh, this is yeah, great.
1: Yeah, they're all spirits. It always makes the spirit. It has yeah. a little bit of, like, spirit tribal.
0: Because um, there's these weird... It, it kind of has this feel of, like, there are pieces of relics that get uh, found, and then there's a spirit that kind of links the pieces together. So it looks kind of like it did when it was alive, but now it's this weird spirit artifact thing. Um, I'm really digging it. And I am also really frustrated with everyone calling it boros constantly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Already? Wow. These
0: boros ca- boros cards are so cool. I'm like, they're not, but they're not boros. It's so
1: explicitly cards. not boros, right? All it's the cards not just aggro.
0: Yeah. It's just like everyone, man, that, that is it dragon looks dope. I'm like, that is it. There's no, is it dragon? It's a prismari dragon. It's in the title Why is of the card. this guy talking
1: about Niv-Mizzet? That's yeah,
0: weird. That's weird. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, that's, I mean, that that irks me just a little bit, but obviously it doesn't matter that much because it is fun to be moving from a place where, hey, we named all the color pairs, all the three color things, all of it's named already, done. You know, kind of in that place where it feels almost stagnant. Um, And now we get to go to a new place where it's like, hey, those color pairs can also have different things that go, you know, different attributes that they have. So instead of like being military and attacking all the time, we get to be these other people uh, that still feel like the colors, but they're doing something different. I really love what's going on. And uh, I cannot wait for more stuff like this to be evolved. Like if we get to go back and see what Grixes could be different, like three color stuff, all the shards, all the clans, if they change, it just opens up a whole new world. We are going into a new age, and I'm, I'm on board. For sure.
1: Let's, let's get to some cards, man, mm-hmm. from Lorehold. Let's do it. Uh, one that I think is particularly cool and uh, kind of shows off this the whole theme of it is Lorehold Excavation. So this is an enchantment for red and a white. It says, at the beginning of your end step, mill a card. If a land card was milled, you gain one life. Otherwise, it deals one to each opponent. And then it has an activated ability, five exile a creature card from your graveyard to create a tapped three, two red and white spirit creature token. So this is like a graveyard engine card, which are always my my favorite, Mm -hmm. my favorite (laughs) cards, but it's in red, white, it costs red, white. That's, I just think that's so cool. And it feels very red and white.
0: It does. Um, Because it, it gains life. It does deal damage. It's making creatures and milling cards. It's, I don't know. Although I will say,
1: I find this art very concerning. Concerning? So if you look, yeah, if you look closely in the background, right at the back of this art, there's something that should remind you of Kozilek. Uh, and if you start seeing that, you'll see in a lot of Lorehold cards, there are Kozalek like symbols things. going on. And the archive has Inquisition of Kozalek in it.
0: Oh, you're right. This mountain has some Koza-like stuff. I didn't notice that before. Uh, yeah, oh. so I'm pretty
1: concerned that Eldrazi have something to do with Strixhaven. Weird. I wonder... I hate Eldrazi. So, <laughs>
0: so much. Oh. Um, I do like going to different places and maybe seeing, oh, they've... You know what it could be? Like, obviously the Lorehold know about ancient things. Maybe they like mm-hmm. dug up some remains or like found a book or something that was about Eldrazi and they just started like worshipping it almost.
1: Yeah. That could be pretty So cool. I looked into this actually right before the show. Oh, interesting. I was noticing it. And there's uh, a tweet on Twitter that says uh, basically, wow, there's a lot of like even in the dragon's art, you can see Kozalek stuff in the background. Mm-hmm. So I just searched on Twitter like Kozilek Lorehold and I got a tweet that was saying oh, there's a lot of Kozilek stuff in Lorehold. And uh, Gavin Verhey responded like, oh, I'm sure it's nothing. <laughs> oh.
0: So that man. all but
1: confirms it for me.
0: That's It's so cool that they did that, but it's also really, really scary. But aren't,
1: isn't it supposed to be like uh, Phyrexian? Aren't they, the Phyrexians supposed to be invading all the sets?
0: Well, I was thinking that, right? So... Obviously, we had um, Vorenklex in Caldheim, so we are expecting to see, like, maybe... We're, we're waiting for a spoiler for one of the other praetors, kind of, right? That's what we were thinking. Right. Um, but maybe that's not going to happen. Maybe they're going to... We won't see another praetor until, like, the Crimson Vow, and they're going to crash the wedding and just <laughs> kill all the vampires or something crazy like that. Yeah. Uh, but... I don't know. Like, obviously this means that we might come back later. Also, there has been some talk about maybe there's another college on this plane. So the plane isn't called Strixhaven. It's a card called no, like
1: I forget what it is called.
0: Arcavios. That sounds some, close. It's something Ryan, like it's like Arcavios, something <laughs> like that. Um, I should have written it down, but I didn't, so that's my bad. Uh but anyway, so unacceptable. Th- this is just I think last week we were talking about um, how Strixhaven is multiple colleges. So it is five different colleges, but Strixhaven is still the same school, um, like you were saying. So yeah. your first year you do – well, we'll probably talk about this at some point, but it seems like you, you go around and you try to pick which college you're going to go to during, after your first year. So all the lesson – oh, sorry. Wow, I'm getting way ahead of myself. All right, so <laughs> there is a new mechanic – It's called learn and lesson. So basically there are cards that have their spells or creatures or different things. And uh, when it enters the battlefield or resolves or something, you get to learn. And learning is where you go to your cards that are outside the game and you get to take a lesson card from outside the game and put it into your hand. So it's basically you like learned a new spell is the idea, right? Because we're in college, we're learning things. That's how that works, right? uh, practical use you're going to be putting lesson cards in your sideboard and you're going to then be able to take them into your hand after playing these cards but a lot of the lesson cards happen to be colorless um this that is
1: aldrazi magic
0: it well, uh, i wasn't thinking aldrazi magic get that out of here Ugh, you're making me feel bad um no what it was thinking is that you haven't picked your major yet so this is, a, this is like 101 of whatever. Everyone has to take the... Everyone learns the spell. Everyone knows it. So it doesn't have a color identity because it doesn't belong to any of the colleges. It's just base. Everybody can play that spell, um, which I thought was pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, like they have introduction to prophecy. This is a sorcery lesson for three colorless mana. Scry two, then draw a card.
0: So cool. Like, yeah, of course everybody can do that. It's just... It's so nice. Um, just makes me... Uh, makes me happy that little connection was like oh oh yeah
1: i think it's a pretty flavorful mechanic i'm worried about how it's actually going to play it looks like they're targeting it for limited mm-hmm. in terms of power level like they just haven't printed anything that makes me think i would want to take up a sideboard slot in my competitive exactly. standard deck it
0: really doesn't which seem i like because it's
1: i think it's a disaster if this is a powerful standard mechanic because it's just so repetitive the game would go the same exactly. way every time like, you'd put the one really good lesson in your sideboard, fill your deck with learn cards, and just always have access to that lesson.
0: Yeah. Um, um, so
1: I'm happy to see that the cards are kind of lower
0: powered. Mm-hmm. Um, I have heard there's some talk. I, well, first of all, I think the mechanic is really, really awesome for limited, which we have right. seen, obviously, um, they always make, like, kind of limited mechanics and then, like, constructive mechanics almost. There are sets you'll go back yeah, and, and you'll 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 look at stuff and be like, oh, I don't remember that that mechanic was in that set. It didn't really feel I, I, I just thought that the whole set was just this one mechanic. But actually, there's another one that was good when limited, but didn't see constructive Play at all. And they do that on purpose. Then they have some mechanics
1: like adventures that are just amazing in both.
0: Yes. Um, so <laughs> I mean that, that also happens. Um, but I, yeah, so I'm not expecting learn and lesson to be something that we see a lot of constructed, but, um, if you're playing in limited, it's going to be really sweet and, uh, actually best of one, uh, which is its own type of format. But there is a lot of talk of if there's some stuff that's good enough, best of having learn and lesson and best of one is kind of like being able to sideboard in your game where you wouldn't be able to sideboard most of the time. Yeah. So we'll see if that actually happens,
1: but now the other big picture thing that i noticed about this set and it is tied to learn and lesson is i find that they're they're going a little too hard with the like cards that are named after uh school things okay you know like uh you got stuff like okay sure eager first year professor of symbology or whatever but then there's some see if i can find a good example
0: you mean like, like some of these guys? in
1: Prismari, culmination of studies? Uh...
0: See, I'm telling you though, like, okay, so this is a green one. It's Field Trip. Where field you, Trip, yeah, yeah. Where you search for a forest and put it on the battlefield and then you learn.
1: Um, oh, this is the one that I found egregious. Sorry to interrupt, but I just saw it. Multiple choice.
0: I love that card. Are you kidding? <laughs> I thought multiple choice was hilarious. Nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're just hitting it a bit, bit too hard. Pop quiz. Uh, first day of class. <laughs> like uh, I'm fine with them doing a little bit of it, and then it's cute. But for me, this is like this is too many things. Really semesters I love end academic mm-hmm. probation. Um <laughs> like what are we gonna have a friggin unsummoned spell that's called late for class? <laughs> like
0: yeah. I um <laughs> I completely disagree. I think it's awesome. I'm so on board. Uh, Let's go. It's just a bit cheesy,
1: man. Yeah, but but the
0: thing is that, like, it, it, there's... Study break. There's no way that this wasn't going to be cheesy. Do you know what I mean? Like, going into what they wanted to do, right? Because, ultimately, the wizard school theme, I guess, is always, like, kind of young adult novels, right? Because it's in school. There's no, like, real adult version of it. It's all... All of those things are going to be, like... Harry Potter's, like, a kids book that like people like or whatever. And I, I actually don't know any of the other ones, but apparently there's a ton of them. <laughs> I don't know what they are, but um, I've heard that there are a I bunch like of Harry
1: Potter probably spawned. Like a lot of them would be inspired by
0: Harry Potter. Or apparently there you know, everyone says there was one before it or something. I don't know. But, um, okay. but to me, all those feel fairly like, you know, cheeky and stuff, but that's part of the fun of it. Um, and, I am super down for it. It doesn't bother me one bit. Um, I think it's fun. Pop quiz is I, guess I was just
1: reading the spoilers, and there were like six of them in a row.
0: And <laughs> you're just like, like okay, oh, come, come on. on. Uh, <laughs> I do get that. Um, you know, you want it to be different. I Like all the uh, – there's the legendary two uh, MDFCs that are all deans. So it's the dean of yes. chaos or the dean of – whatever of order and then
1: you mean wizards like attempt to fit as much text on a single card as possible (laughs) yeah basically all those cards have two complicated cards on like on each side the card is i'm
0: going to tell you something um preparing for this episode i didn't read a single one of those not even one i have no idea what they do
1: how could you man you did not have time
0: (laughs) yeah it's so hard there's so many cards that like came out and those were some of the first ones i was like whoa no, I'm done. I'm, I'll let the commander players read those, and I'll read them later. Like, I can't.
1: I'll wait for people to prove to me that some of these are good, and then I'll read the one that's good.
0: Yeah, you know? I'll probably, what's going to happen is that I'm going to draft them, not know what it does, and then play it in the game and figure it out. That, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm not going to read it. So I feel like I'm just going to get my ass kicked by it, uh-huh. and then that's how I'll learn what it does. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it, there is that kind of feel to it. Like, we know that there's more words on cards through call time and everything. Um, But the words that uh, bother me are the ones that are just chunks of text and not the ones that say multiple choice. (laughs) Because that card is still hilarious. I'm just going to read it. The design of that card is 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 fine. Yeah, we got to read it. Um, I I don't have it right in front of me.
1: Okay, so multiple choice is X and a blue for a sorcery. If X is one, scry one, then draw a card. If X is two, you may choose a player, they return a creature they control to its owner's hand. If X is three, create a 4 4 blue and red elemental creature token. And if X is four or more, do all of the above. I'd love the design. <laughs> okay. All right. So it's just like there's too many names like this. I know, but like if this was the only one that was named this way, that would be so cool, is what I'm
0: saying. But what's going to happen is that I feel like this happens a lot where. Um, there's a lot of cheeky names, but you tend to forget about them, and after you play a lot, you like don't really think about it, and then there's one card that's actually used in a deck, and you're like, oh yeah, that's the name of that thing. But then you go back on the set, and you're like, wait, a lot of these kind of had these weird names. I didn't really remember. Um,
1: right. Yeah, I mean, they talk about Asfan and stuff, like so they need you to understand, if you just open a booster pack, that this is a university set, themed set. So that's part of it, right? If you just Make it really on the nose, mm-hmm. you know it's hard to not get that when you see semesters end,
0: you know, yeah exactly
1: uh, or academic probation or whatever <laughs> multiple choice really cool. I like this use of x. I don't think they've ever really done this. Yeah. X is always something that scales, and this is like using X as different modes, yeah so you there's kind of like so you have
0: multiple here. choices,
1: <laughs> yeah, and I do like the. The thing where like d is all of the above Mm -hmm. because that's always the multiple choice thing exactly (laughs) Uh, especially i wish they'd made it a little more complicated because when i write tests for my students i like the multiple choice to be like uh consider the following five things and then a is like one and three but not two and sometimes four (laughs) b is like one and two but never three (laughs) You know, like, and, and then the like real the answer is
0: just all of the above, which makes no sense. Yeah, the,
1: the real answer is none of these are correct. <laughs> yeah, none of these are correct.
0: <laughs> um, no, I really like this card. Um, I think it's going to be pretty sweet. As far as Prismari stuff goes, uh, We so we are hoping that maybe there is a possibility we're not going to fit everything in in this episode because there's a lot of shit to talk about and my beer is going to run, run empty soon. As far as the Prismari go, it is interesting because it's they really care about um really high mana value spells right like all their cards are saying if this spell is five mana value or more or something then whatever or like if you cast a spell that's five mana value blah, blah blah blah, you do something um and then there's all these cards that are like fucking huge you're like oh this is an eight mana spell that deals four damage to a creature and then three damage to a planeswalker and then or whatever like let me let me find one
1: I have to say I was a bit disappointed that Prismari's theme was like instance and sorceries, um, spells matters, just because uh, that's like such a blue-red trope. Yeah. And Lorhold had convinced me that maybe they were trying to explore other options for the color pair. Um, I think it's okay that they at least tried to put a twist on it by you want expensive spells rather than a bunch of cheap spells, which is usually what you want.
0: Yeah. What it does. Still,
1: I I was hoping there was something a little. Different. Further from the norm.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, it does remind me of. um, Honestly, it reminds me of the. The good old days, man. Like when I was playing when I was a kid, they remind me of uh, scourge or scourge cards and uh, kamigabo cards because the mana value is just so high. I'm like, holy crap! What does this spell do? Oh, not a ton, but it costs a lot. <laughs> and oh, there's cards that care. It costs a lot. Okay, um, that must be scornful good. Scornful right? egotist, baby. Yeah, scornful egotist. So um, that's immediately where I go, where it's like, okay, I don't know if this is actually going to be amazing, but I like the idea. Like thinking about the mechanics seems pretty sweet in uh, it actually playing out um, never seems to work out for me but I also was like you know a child at the time Um, but something like this so this is creative outburst it's three blue blue red red so this is a a seven mana instant Uh, creative outburst deals five damage to any target then look at the top five cards of your library put one of them into your hand and the rest on on the bottom of your library in a random order okay initially I'm just like, just, I'm never going to want to. It's so expensive. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, luckily, it does have another ability that's that um, there is two hybrid, I'm going to call it Prismari mana, I guess. Um, nice. So it's blue, red, blue, red. Uh, you can discard Creative Outburst and create a treasure token. So that part seems kind of interesting because you're- So the reality of this
1: card is that this is all you're using it for.
0: Exactly. <laughs> you're almost never um, casting it. If there's cards that like, if you have uh, spells in your graveyard that are mana value this or more, you get to do something or whatever, or cast a spell from your graveyard that's mana value five or more, something like that, this is going to be really helpful because you get to throw these cards in the graveyard, make a treasure, then use that card to play it from your graveyard. That's pretty cool. Um, However, I haven't really seen that. There is some, like, treasure synergy. We have Goldspan Dragon from the last set that gets to make all your treasure tokens do more. The uh, Prismari Dragon in this set makes uh, treasure tokens and makes them turn into just, like, moxes, basically. Um, so that I think treasure token's
1: just, like, a great mechanic. It's so, so good. Um, actually, This is a really cool way to give Prismari
0: ramp. Yes. So it's really great ramp in these colors. I also heard uh, just some things that might be interesting. They were someone on Twitter was talking about how they're really hoping that the treasure tokens for Prismari will actually be like, uh, paintings or maybe like, I guess it'd be like a painting. Yeah. But it's a painting of the original treasure tokens from Ixalan.
1: Oh, I would love that. So it's
0: like a treasure token from Ixalan, but it's in a framed on a wall in a museum or something.
1: Yeah. And it's like, clearly there's brush strokes or or something.
0: Yeah. That it looks like that. Um, that would be pretty cool. It's like, oh, a Prismari student made this because it's all artsy and shit. Awesome. <laughs> Especially because yeah. so it, it has the feeling of, okay, so you can either do the real, really creative thing and spend all your mana and your energy into making this cool um, spell, or you can just sell out and give it to somebody else and take some money kind of what that, it's like either you could be in a play or do a commercial and get some money <laughs> <laughs> sell out sell out Ooh. that's what it feels like um which you know i like the feel of it i just don't know if it's going to work in the game very well but um as far as card design i think it's cool um but we'll see how it actually plays out
1: yeah and, and like i don't want to oversell you know i think a lot of these prismari cards are really cool I think Lorehold just set such a high bar for me. Mm-hmm. And then when the Prismari stuff came out, I'm like, ah, oh, Instants and Sorceries. Yeah. They
0: really started. But super a lot of the higher. cards
1: are, are really cool. Yeah.
0: I think they're super cool. Um, I do feel like we've been talking about this for quite a while. I also realized my beer is completely empty. I'm out of beer. Yeah. I think we need to go to a beer break and we'll we'll figure out what we talk about after this. I don't really know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Jeff forgot to crack his beer on, uh, <laughs> on tape again. I got too excited. Yep, classic Jeff. He gets too excited. Um, <laughs> anyway, so now I'm drinking Jordan Harbor Pale Ale.
1: Yeah, and I got this friggin' <laughs> Sparkle Puff Triple IPA. That's right. Not one, not two, but triple IPA. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Whatever. All right. So we are going to just stop that on Strixhaven stuff for now because, um, well, you know, we're going to be talking about that for a long time and we got to space it out. There's a ton of I stuff feel that like I could out. just
1: talk about it for another three hours. So. Yeah. And
0: we might at some point do that and then let you listen yeah. to it. Um, but that day is not today. Uh, we uh, today we are going to talk about the call time championship
1: yeah, so the, this past weekend, there was the Kaldheim Championship Tournament. Uh, these really are kind of the modern equivalent of, of what we had before as a pro tour. It's a tournament where there's MPL players, there's Rivals players, and there's challengers, so mm-hmm. players who are in neither league. And you get a kind of small bonus, I would say, uh, for MPL or Rivals in the league standings if you do well. Yes. Um, so it's it's kind of more a tournament that is... For its own merits rather but it does have some impact on league play
0: yeah so um the maximum points a uh, league player could get is four points um and that's basically getting into the top eight essentially right is, is where you get four points but most of it is like challengers are trying to uh, do well in this tournament because then it qualifies them into the tournaments that Slowly get you into rivals and then into the MPL and if you can win worlds and all that kind of stuff. So exactly, it is a big way for um, everyone else to, well, you know, mix mix up the people. Obviously, right now it kind of feels like the MPL and rivals have their like I don't know crew and it's like this is them for the season, which is true. But it will be changing next year. Nobody's Um, safe. Nobody is safe
1: except Paulo, Gabe. Gabe. Andre Andre and brad, and brad. Currently. yeah those are the only safe
0: ones so um so anyway uh but some interesting stuff happened um a quick run uh, run view a quick whatever well i don't know what a classic I'm saying. run view yeah i just had a 10 percent beer um, whatever yeah. i don't wanna care <laughs> anyway so the championship <laughs> was a three-day event um Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it was a split of Standard and Historic. There were 15 rounds of Swiss on Friday and Saturday, seven rounds of Standard, eight of Historic, and in the top eight was Standard. Um, As always, we do our fantasy drafting, and we made teams for the event. Please remember that these teams we had for this last weekend will also be rolling over into the league weekend, which is coming up not this weekend, but the next weekend, I believe, so... We are keeping the same teams for that. But we're going to choose new meta next week. Uh, So tune in for that next week. Anyway. Bring it on. Yeah. Um, As usually, we we pick three MPL players and four Rivals players for our teams. Um, But before we talk about those, I just want to remind everyone that all the information that we are getting for this breakdown that we're going to go through right now to tell you what happened, if you missed everything, because you might have... Um, hopefully you got to watch some of it, but maybe you didn't watch any of it and don't even know who won. We're going to tell you right now. Um, anyway, if you want to get this information, the best places are on Twitter. at uh, There's Ball Lightning, has the best player scores, and then MTG Data is really great for metagame. Those are places you should absolutely be following on Twitter. Uh, and also, when uh, there's another championship coming up, everything gets run through MTG Melee. So... Check there, you can see standings, deck lists, all that kind of stuff. Um, We're not sponsored by any of these people, we just really like them. (laughs) Open (laughs) to it, though. Uh, Yeah, if anyone wants to sponsor us, hit us up on Twitter (laughs) and Instagram, at Arena Regulars. That'd be great. Uh, But, let's get into this. Maybe we should just talk about the tournament really really quickly, right?
1: Yeah, Yeah,
0: so I actually watched a lot
1: of it. Um, Kind of had it on in the background most of the weekend, and then tuned in explicitly for... some matches and i think overall it was a great event um i think one of the most uh telling things uh, that i find really interesting and mtg data actually posted this is that uh the mpl players really dominated this event
0: they did i i saw that as well there was a nice uh there's a good breakdown of it
1: yeah so i have it here um the mpl players so there's 24 of the uh However, many players were in this event. Looks like 211, maybe. Um, so, 24 of them are in the MPL. And the MPL players, across their 310 matches, had a 59.7% win rate. They were 60% against rivals players and 61.6% against challenger, uh, which means, you know, they only kind of lost to other MPL players. Yeah. And of course, half the top eight was MPL players.
0: Yes. So uh, the top eight was um, Shahar Shenhar, which is awesome. I was super stoked to see him. MPL. Um, Riku Kumagai. Andrew Kunio. MPL. MPL. Javier Dominguez. MPL. Arna Hushambeth. Challenger. Challenger. Um, Noriyuki Mori. Challenger. Challenger. And then we have Shota Yasuoka and Gregor Kowalski.
1: Rivals.
0: Rivals. So, really stacked. um, And, I mean, spoiler alert. There's no spoilers in sports. But (laughs) Arne Hushenbet took it down, man.
1: Challenger
0: taking it down again. Yeah. That's the
1: second event in a row that was won by a challenger. Yeah, so
0: we had Brad Barkley won the um, Zennikar Rising Championship. And now Arne Hushenbet has won the Kaldheim Championship playing Demir Rogues in the top eight. And... What was what was the deck they played in Historic? Maybe oh, who cares? Um, yeah, Silver bad, Quill auras. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, yeah, he played auras. So basically, uh, well, he ahead. was
1: incredible in the top eight. I just want to say. Oh uh, my god! Absolute lights out play.
0: Phenomenal. I he, learned a
1: lot because Rogues is my favorite deck, as you know. Mm-hmm. And just watching him play the matches, I learned so much.
0: Absolutely, because right? he did a lot of
1: things differently than I would have. Let's say.
0: I love those turns. There were there are a few games where he has like two thieves guild enforcers in his hand, and he waits till like turn four to play them. Right. Like he's just. And I was
1: thinking about why that is, and I've realized it. It a little bit depends on the matchup, but when it was against Sultai, it's because he doesn't want it to get pegged by um, Elspeth's nightmare. Yes. And he had no way to get it up to three power before his opponent would get Elspeth's nightmare onto the battlefield, and so he just didn't play it. Uh and that was an eye-opener for me Um,
0: yeah it's like you can do that because i would always just kind of play it (laughs) and be like well if they get me they get me right gotta get things started yeah he's thinking like i want to make you have some awkward turns instead of like i can make my turns really optimized at the beginning but then like maybe i'll get four four cards in your graveyard or something six and then i'm not anywhere near i need to be um and just like holding on That's off. right.
1: Like he could optimize his own turns, but it would also be optimizing his opponent's early turns.
0: So instead of being like, well, my cards work really well in conjunction together because they all cost like one or two, yours don't. So I can fuck up your plan pretty easily by just like waiting for a bit and then playing a bunch of different stuff and then you can't react as quickly as I can hit you. Um, right. Was... Playing on curve is more important for the clunkier deck. Exactly. So that was uh also an eye-opener to me i haven't played that deck nearly as much as you have but um that was pretty sweet he's yeah, awesome and and it's worth
1: saying that Arne crushed the top eight he won he didn't lose a match crushed and in the finals which is best two out of three matches he didn't lose a game he won four straight games to win the, just
0: swept the him. championship um yeah. though to note he did play kowalski um Earlier in uh, in the upper bracket and knocked him down so that Kowalski had to fight his way back up into it. But man, it was. Right. Arn
1: is the only one who could beat
0: Kowalski. Yeah. So. <laughs> did it twice. Or it three did it times, twice. I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it was. Uh, wow. It was. Really excited. Yeah, very
1: deserving champion he played. Absolutely. absolutely. dialed in.
0: Like phenomenal plays. Things that like immediately like happened and the announcers had no idea what was going on. And then immediately everything blows up and, and it's like all over Twitter and everyone's talking about it. It was huge. It was so cool just to be able to see it in person too. Um, and I remember thinking like Arne is playing. Like I could see both hands and Arne is still playing better
1: than I would. When I can see both hands and you yeah. can't. <laughs> it like, kind of reminds me of when Autumn won that uh, Pro Tour. Yeah. Where they were just like absolutely a master class in the deck. Exactly. Bag. It felt a bit similar to that, where I clearly feeling. knew all the tricks and exactly how he wanted to play every matchup and he executed mm-hmm. his game plan with precision. I think there
0: were a couple of times where I was like really scared for him because like I saw, you know, his opponent has Shadow's Verdict in his hand and. And he ends up spending the turn uh, playing his Lurus to get, pull something out of the graveyard so that Elspeth's Nightmare doesn't exile the graveyard and they lose that creature. Um, and right. they get hit, hit by the Verdict and you just see Arnie's just like, oh, I should have played around that. But then like clawing back into those games. It was really great. Um, I remember
1: seeing him just play Lurus and not get anything back to hold up the counterspell for something too. I was just yeah. like, all right. <laughs> Solid. Like, literally just playing a 3-2 lifelink here. but
0: It's like, there you go. Man, I was uh, very impressed. I really, really enjoyed watching this top eight. Um, that's mainly what I watched. I didn't see a lot of the rest of the weekend. Um, though I was keeping track of the scores. And um, going into it, uh, Shahar Shenhar was my... I was really excited for him because he had done so well in the weekend. And he is someone that I've always kind of liked since Enter the Battlefield, that documentary that Magic the Gathering had. Um, yeah. And uh, I... mean, he's an
1: unbelievable player, right? He absolutely. A back-to-back world champion. And I
0: really wanted to see more of him in these league weekends and stuff. So to see him claw out... So now he's um, out of relegation zone because of the points that he won in this tournament. So he went... Great. He went from being... Um, in in being immediately relegated to Rivals League to like just tooth and nail clawing to pull himself into uh the rival's gauntlet so he has a chance to stay in the MPL, and that was really awesome to see like we haven't seen That's, that fire in him and it was yeah it was awesome but
1: what's so interesting is that he's not the only one that did that because shota Yasuoka is also near the bottom of the MPL exactly and he got his four points here and Andrew Cuneo was Andrew
0: Cunio Andrew was dead last and I remember when we were picking players I was looking at him and being like wouldn't it be hilarious <laughs> if I picked Andrew Cunio?" because I bet he's going to do terribly and he would have been an amazing pick he would have been oh, so sure. good in this tournament oh That's
1: just goes to show you how good the MPL players are though like even the ones in last can still dominate an event exactly you know and push a, out time yeah. And Kowalski I think also wasn't, you know, at the top of the Rivals League. Exactly. It, it really he needed to fight for some points too.
0: Yeah, so he is almost in the MPL gauntlet. He's like right he's right under it. Um Okay. Tied with uh, Alexander Hain who is above him uh for tiebreaker reasons, but man, it uh it was an eventful weekend and it was just really fantastic to see um do you think we should get into some of our fantasy uh, fantasy nonsense that we do? Yeah,
1: I think just before that, though, maybe we should talk about uh, what happened to Shahar.
0: Oh, that would be uh-huh. a bummer if we forgot that. But it was a bummer of a fucking time to watch. Holy shit. Yeah, so
1: basically, uh, Shahar Shanhar was playing against Gregor in the uh, in the lower bracket in the top eight. Uh, to move on, obviously. I think the winner would get to play against Javier Dominguez. Um,
0: no, they were going to play against, um, sorry. Oh, Nuri, Noriyuki Mori. Yeah. Right, yes.
1: And so what happened is, uh, while well, game one happens, I believe Gregorch won mm-hmm. the, yes. that game. And then they go to play game two. Now in game two, um, essentially Shahar navigates to a situation where he's going to win. Um, basically Grigorsh did manage to resolve Emergent Ultimatum, but he was at two, and Shahar had Clothis on the battlefield. And there's almost no way for Grigorsh to get around that. He doesn't have a way to get Clothis off the battlefield, um, and if there's anything in his graveyard, Clothis is just going to eat it and deal two damage to him, and the game will be over. But when he casts Emergent Ultimatum and he picks his three cards... While Shahar's looking at them, his client kind of bugs out, and so he never makes a choice, and the game just chooses for him, and it chooses Vorinclex and Tybalt. The reason that matters is that that is the worst pair possible for Shahar, because that means that uh, Tybalt's can ultimate right away and exile the graveyard, and now Clothis cannot uh, kill him. So if Shahar had the choice, I'm sure he would have made a better decision than that, uh so he gets to give his opponent an extra turn and then maybe Grigolsh Grigorsh will draw something who knows but it seems really likely that shahar is a favorite f- from that point because you know Grigorsh has to top deck a way to get rid of this clothis and he doesn't really have any so i don't know i think you just give him tybalt and Alrin's epiphany you throw the vorn Klex away um yeah or the or the opposite, you definitely you definitely just do not give foreign clicks and dimpled, yeah. Because that's the only way you lose. Anyways, because there was a game client error, they decided to replay the match, or the game. So now Shahar, you know, a game he pretty much had won. Like it was very unlikely for him to lose. Now they're playing again, and Shahar wins this game, so he wins the game too. And so I was kind of thinking, oh well, no harm done then, because. Uh, They'll go to games winning the game. Yeah. But anyways.
0: But. But it,
1: tur- it turns out when they reset the match, they had to sideboard exactly the way the players did and give them that deck. And I guess tournament organizers did that for them. And they made a mistake. They sideboarded incorrectly. So the decision was to replay the game again.
0: So this is game two for the third time.
1: Take three. Yeah. Take three. <laughs> Uh, and then Shahar lost that game, so he lost the
0: match. Where it really felt like, okay, here's two games that you battle through, and Shahar he should have moved on, should have should have won. Um, yeah, I mean, luckily Arnett was the one who got to you know make sure that justice was served. But you know,
1: right. um, I mean, it, you can't really say it either because Shahar, yeah, he won game two twice if you want to see it that way, but he was on the play both times. That's true. And then he would have been on the draw in game three. But, yeah, the joke the joke flying around the internet is that uh, Shahar lost the match 2-2. Yeah, it just really sucks for him. I don't know what a better solution would have yeah. been.
0: And that's what um, Shahar said, too. He, afterwards, he had tweeted, um, like, I'm extremely tilted right now. It's really frustrating, but I don't see another way to have fixed this issue. Um, right. so that's just what happens ultimately what how you fix the and issue. And he also is,
1: said good luck to cool.
0: Yeah, and of course, and very cordial and they're all very nice with each other. Um but ultimately it's like, hey, this is a really high level tournament like your client should not have these problems. Yeah,
1: it can't be can't be bugging out. Yeah, it
0: can't be bugging out. Um and I think a lot of this stuff could be solved in spectator mode, all those kinds of things. Not having they should the have runs. the
1: ability to recreate the game state exactly. and just start from there. Like, I mean, they shouldn't have to replay the whole game exactly. when it, the game was so close to being decided.
0: It seems kind of ridiculous to the point where I was watching and I was like, oh, this game's over. And I kind of went and did something else. And then I was like, wait, what's happening? I, I yeah. watched Shahar win game two. I don't know why yeah. there's a problem. That's how
1: your brain like logged it, right? Shahar yeah. wins. Okay.
0: I was like, I'm going to check in when... As long as
1: he doesn't throw away All Runs' Epiphany. If he makes any other choice,
0: he's yeah. going to win. <laughs> So that was one of those things where it's like well fuck that sucks because Shahar was like seed number 1 he went 14-1 mm-hmm. into the top 8 loses his first match and then has a fucking gets bugged out from the the other one so yeah um, and like
1: overall he was most interested in the league points and stuff like that so he got that it's exactly. still a great weekend for him but i mean we are talking probably about a few thousand dollars that he lost out on exactly
0: So that really matters. That was a huge bummer. So obviously, the next championship, that's going to be talked about again, and we're hoping that that won't happen. Or um, you know, there's going to be more eyes on those kinds of like.
1: I was so upset by this that I'm not even going to play in the Strixhaven Championship. You know? Yeah. Just as like uh, until they fix the client, I'm just not even going to play. Exactly.
0: I'm I'm not going to play. I'm going to watch it because I want you know. Well, I you know I want to watch it, but I'm not going to play in it. I, yeah I, make
1: a stand yeah you know? <laughs> i'm
0: gonna make a stand um because i definitely qualified and i could do yeah, it if i, I mean, wanted i could to. qualify if yeah. i
1: wanted to that's the thing
0: um but. easy like easily it's not yeah, it's not hard sure. i would play like a, a brain dead deck like rogues or something so um. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you're the guy in twitch chat yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway um So that was unfortunate, but let us get to our uh, very fortunate week in fantasy draft. I think it's time. Interesting to note, our MPL players all made the same amount of points. Pretty cool. Exactly the
1: same. It was very strange. (laughs) um like my first pick got the same number of points as your first pick my second pick got the same number of points as your second pick
0: it was very funny and and the funny thing is that our first second and third picks um it just the picks or the the points go higher in that order so right yeah fucking bummer for like uh pv and uh gabe right like I was tweeting you all week and being like, "Hey, Gabe is not doing really well. I don't think he's going to make day two. This sucks. I'm going to lose this week because my first pick bombed." Good thing PV also bombed. And I was like, That's "Don't great. worry about it,"
1: because in you know an extremely rare event, Paulo Vitor da Rosa
0: lost some games of Magic and as did well. not make day two. So uh, for the MPL, uh, basically my team, Gabriel Nassif, Seth Manfield, and Otto Burchett. Uh, Gabe Nassif got three points. Seth Manfield got eight points, and Autumn Burchett got nine points. Whew, coming in hot. Thank you, thank you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> My team PVDDR three points. Brad Nelson eight points, and Reed Duke, nine points.
0: Hilarious. Um, just you know, we've never seen that. It's it's it was a very lucky that um, both both of our first picks just kind of like crapped out because if you you know if yours sp- was on fire or anything, it uh, would have changed some things.
1: Well, it turns out that PV, I think, kind of threw the event so that he could reveal his card on air. Because if he was in the top eight, he wouldn't have been able to do that.
0: That is true. Yeah, so over the weekend, um, because uh, Paulo was the winner of the Worlds last year, uh, he got a card with his face on it, which is awesome. It's just the fucking coolest thing. Um, Javier Dominguez has Fervent Champion fervent champion so now paolo got to reveal his card and over the weekend they were slowly revealing parts of it so it's like
1: i thought that was fun that
0: was fun so it was like the name of the card and then like the mana cost and then like what it was and whatever it
1: started with the art right like, no i think
0: I, looks- I i saw a frame that said elite spellbinder oh, first. Okay. okay and i was like it's a white card that's called elite spellbinder and that's all i saw i was like Okay, okay. That's pretty cool. That was on his Twitter.
1: guess the art's kind of the big drop.
0: And then the art was really hey, big. And so you saw that. And then during the top eight, they said what it does. So that's actually a card we did not talk about, um, which I don't know if we should talk about it right now, but... now nah, we'll save that. We'll save time. that. If you haven't seen it, uh, don't check it out, because we'll tell you about it much later. <laughs> the uh, art is great, though. It looks, it looks just like him. It looks just like him. And um, actually what's funny, uh, he had mentioned that he'd ask the artist to make some changes to make him look a little skinnier because when right. he won worlds, he was like 30 pounds heavier than he is right now. And than he is usually it's just like his, the heaviest he's ever been in his life. And he's right. like, please can you just make it look like I do now or like I did before? But like that time for whatever reason, I was just much heavier than, than other times, which I 100% get. I'm like, every time I see those pictures, I'm like, wow, he does look bigger than he usually does. Like for sure. Yeah. He, so uh
1: he's not a big guy he's not
0: clear yeah like, he's yeah. he's not a big guy um but he looks great and uh i love that they put a little bit of silver streaks in his hair it makes him look very noble i know
1: i saw that too kind of that yeah like silver fox it's cool
0: so out. it definitely feels like you're gonna it's what is gonna look like in the future when he gets a little bit older it's gonna be pretty <laughs> yeah. pretty sweet uh watch out ladies i don't know
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think he's married zach so calm down.
0: i mean like okay not watch out ladies Ladies get ready to be—I don't know. Never mind. Not even ready ladies. To play some three Sorry. Yeah. Just like people. People get ready yeah. for a really good-looking Paolo because whoever is attracted to Paolo could be more attracted to Paolo. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fuck you. Being weird. Um, let's move to the rivals. Uh, so. Um, this is where things get hot because we are really close. Hotter intended. than Paulo. So right now, yeah, right, hot. <laughs> hotter <laughs> than like old man Paolo. Um, so basically, we're tied at twenty points at this point uh, because our MPL numbers are the same. However, um, wow, I was just thinking, man, I made some really good draft decisions. You know, I was just thinking about it, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm worried about this player and his team. I really don't think they're going to do very well. I shouldn't pick Stanislav Sivka, and boy was I right! Holy shit! Jesus, how did you peg that man? <laughs> he's like one of the best players in the world. How many <laughs> You're wins? You're like, you know what? I'm not picking him. I'm not picking. He's, no se- he's in second. I'm not going to pick him. I think he's going to do really badly. And what did he get, Jeff? What?
1: <laughs> he one match win. This is unbelievable. This is like the worst he's ever done.
0: It's really bad. <laughs> Um, it must be, I'm in second place. I don't really need the points. If I lose, I lose. I don't really care. Um, that's fine.
1: Yeah, I mean, sometimes that just happens, right? Even the it best does. players just lose sometimes. And that's what we're seeing the... in
0: some of these these players, right? Um, and, like, why Arne Hushimbet could win the whole thing because he's a challenger, and that's why we saw Brad as well, because they have so much they're fighting for. And MPL is like, I, you know, I don't have to – there isn't as much fire in me as there once was. And these mm-hmm. are the folks that you know have have that engine. You start, you see lines you didn't ever see. If you need to to get there, so.
1: But also, like the MPL and rivals, they don't really reward like solid finishes. Normally, if you go to a GP, okay, you get nine wins or whatever. That's a few hundred bucks. Mm. That's fine. It you know pays for my trip or whatever. Um, in this event, it's kind of like top eight or bust if you're in the MPL yeah. or rivals, and so you're kind of incentivized maybe to make more aggressive deck choices like really try to bet on a metagame
0: mm-hmm.
1: and bring the deck that kind of thwarts that metagame i think that's what uh like the gab team did with abzan try to just yeah. try to all right let's just bring a deck that's going to absolutely stomp jund
0: yeah so and, in historic uh, they, were, they were playing uh the jund killer abzan um, right anti-jund abzan basically all the cards were like hey fuck you yeah, I mean it was just like literally every card is good Fuck against Jund, which which uh, we'll we'll talk about later. But um, yeah, it was it's one. Of but those... you're
1: incentivized to make that kind of aggressive call because mm-hmm. if your metagame prediction is correct, then you have a really good chance of, of top aiding. Yeah, and that's what you and hopefully is you're you.
0: paired against all of the decks you want to be paired against. So
1: right, like if if half the field was Junk, you know this Abzan mid range deck. Would have just like carried everyone to their historic wins.
0: Yeah. Um so looking at my rivals uh, team, I have Eli Cassis, LSV, Luca Magni, and Zachary Kini all doing really solid efforts. Um yeah. I got great eights team. eights, tens, nines, feels good. Um they all were, were solid. I loved all of them. They're great. Uh yeah.
1: I had Matt Sperling at ten. Chris Patello, great pick, got yeah, ten holy points. Shit. And Mike Sigrist got nine, uh, which is a little disappointing only because Mike Sigrist dominated day one. So he must've had a, you know,
0: rough an day underwhelming
1: two. day two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Stan Stanislav Sivka got just one point
0: really, really, uh, fallen over. I don't, I don't know what it was. I didn't go back and look at all the.
1: Well, what's interesting <laughs> is like I picked Brad and Stan. So they test together. You'll see that they have the yeah. same decks. They brought Sultanate and, and Azorius control. Mm-hmm. Um, And I picked them because they're so good at metagaming. Like, Stan is is amazing at deck building, and Brad is is amazing at predicting the metagame and bringing the right deck to the event. But what's interesting is I kind of hate both decks they brought. (laughs) So as soon as I saw that they decided on Sultimatum, which I think is probably the most overrated deck in Standard. Like, it never does much better than 50%, Mm -hmm. but it's still the most popular deck every time. Uh, And Azorius Control, which... Uh, I know it won last time, but I kind of think it sucks. Uh, so I was, I was like ready for I I like hitched my wagon to a team because of their deck choice. They're so good at choosing decks, and then the decks they chose, I I
0: think are yeah. awful. Well, the so thing is, like Brad did well with it, and Andre Strosky also did really well with it. So
1: Brad did well, but not by Brad standards. You know, like, sure, I mean like not going embarrassing. like eight and seven is. You know that's no. kind of an underwhelming performance for Brad Nelson. yeah,
0: he was not super happy about that or excited, of course, um, but i'm, I'm he just missed the mark on getting any m p l points, yeah, but I'm mainly thinking like <laughs> you know as, as uh, <laughs> it wasn't Stanislavcus said, you know one point is so rough, like that that's yeah, close to just like, wasn't, it wasn't wasn't his day. it's it almost like weekend. Martin used territory, you know what I'm saying, jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh martin uses also he he's great though um oh I, he's such an
1: unbelievable player
0: absolutely also he retweeted me recently so i like him now
1: <laughs> oh, okay now we're now we're on the martin train here.
0: <laughs> um but anyway so going into uh metagame it looks like i am right in the lead feels good this Finally. is where i've
1: been <sighs> yeah you've been you're up what like basically you're up uh one good player
0: <laughs> yeah basically uh, on one me. one good player um Probably about, like, seven points or something, I think. Uh,
1: which Exactly seven, yeah, because yeah. we both have two tens and a nine, and then you had Ely with eight points, and I
0: had Stan with one. Yeah. So it feels good. I, I'm feeling pretty solid. Uh, then metagame. All right, so I always fuck up metagame, right? I'm like... Ooh. This is usually where I clean up. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, ooh, I usually just pick something fucking stupid, and it's horrible, but... <laughs> not this time buddy i'm really proud of our standard picks though like this is kind of unreal so um for standa standa (laughs) fucking hell um for the standard metagame percentage we both picked Sultimatum, which of course was correct that's the top we both got two points for that um and that was pretty great our top performing standard deck was really interesting. This was a deck that I, it, if you listened to the episode last week, it took me a long time to get here. But I said Gruel Adventures, which ended up being the correct pick by a, about two points. Um, I think yeah, the, the actual... 2% better. Yeah, a couple percent. Um, Gruel Adventures was 59.3% against the field. Uh, which is unreal, by the way. It's very good. 593 and uh you picked teamer adventures which was 57.4 so i did win the top performing deck and i did beat you so that's four points for me but that was pretty but crazy
1: we picked the top two decks we did by a lot too by like, a lot gruel is 59.3 teamer was 57.4 and the next highest was rogues at 52.8 that's crazy like nearly five percent off
0: yeah, and so, once again, like you said, Soul Tomatum was fifty point three percent. It's like fifty percent. So
1: it's always hovering around fifty percent, and then everyone just picks it anyways. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, that was pretty great. I'm feeling like we like for not playing in the tournament, we spiked it pretty well.
1: <laughs> we nailed that metagame, man. Uh, I'm 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 shocked that
0: uh, that like a, I, I, Gruul adventures did better than teamer adventures.
1: Well, yeah, I'm obviously shocked by that because I picked teamer. Mm-hmm. But. <laughs> I mean, No, I think, I didn't even know if enough people would bring Gruul. That was kind of my concern with choosing Gruul. Yeah. Um, and it turns out seven people brought it, right? So, yeah. Uh, so there
0: are seven decks. It is
1: kind of a small sample size, but it had such polarizing matchups. It's just 100% against Sultai, 100% against Rogues, yeah. and then mediocre in every other matchup. But it, those matchups carried it so hard that it got to nearly a 60% yeah. win rate.
0: Woo! Feel good about that. Yeah. Wow, that's probably. I, I think that might be the first time that I, I really beat. You I was on so that.
1: confident with Teamer. I, I was know. like, I was like, the the popular decks are going to be Sultai, Teamer, and Mono Red, and Teamer destroys Mono Red and is fine against Sultai. So it's kind of the best choice. And I was thinking, and i was so confident in that.
0: Gruel is great against Soltai. and then you said Teamer Adventure. I was like, ooh, Teamer Adventure sounds better. And I was like, fuck, I picked the wrong deck. And all weekend I was like, why did I pick Gruel? That was so stupid. No one's gonna bring that deck. And I ended up winning, and I feel so good about it. That's great. As soon as I looked at
1: this matrix, I saw Teamer Adventures 57.4. I was like, yeah. And, and then, then I like scroll down to Gruel. I was like, wait, 59? No. <laughs> fuck. That's um, crazy. But, yeah, I mean, look at Teamer. They they have positive matchups literally in every single matchup. They have two fi- matchups that were 50%, Sultai and Naya. And, you know, like I was saying, I, I feel like it's close against Sultai. But every other matchup is positive.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Reminds me of when Rogues just dominated the tournament where every matchup was positive. It was good,
0: yeah. So we might be seeing more um, Teamer stuff from this matrix I could see more people being interested in uh teamer because the sample sample size was Baker and the matchups were better. Um, so that might be more of a thing, but Jeff, do you want to bring us home with the historic meta game?
1: Yeah. So this is where I embarrassed myself. Uh, <laughs> so, all right, to be fair in the meta percentage, I was just tired of us always picking the same deck. Yes. I was fairly confident that gen food was going to be the most popular deck. Um, but I felt like there was an outside chance that people switch back. You to were th- you were
0: throwing me a bone a little bit there. I think
1: I'm kind of glad I didn't lose by so spoiler I lose. Um, <laughs> I didn't lose by just four points from this matchup. I lost by a lot more than that. So it's yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I picked Jen's company. You picked Jen Food. Jen Food was the runaway. Uh, I think at twenty six and a half percent of people brought Jen Food. Yeah. Uh, and next highest was Orzov Auras at 14.7%. Oh, yeah. baby. Uh, so you get four points there. And the top performance, I picked Goblins. Now, <laughs> I did acknowledge that Goblins was a risky pick. You did. I think I even said it's either going to be like the worst deck or the best deck. It's on tape. Uh, it turns out it was the worst deck. Yeah. Uh, of all of the decks that are named and not like the other category... It was the worst performing deck at 44% win rate, or 44.2. Uh, so that was the best choice. You picked Jund Company, which was the, s- looks like, third best deck uh, at 55%.
0: Third or fourth, actually, Um, because the best deck was Abzan Midrange. Oh, I, I uh, didn't
1: see Boros cycling there yet. Yeah, so Ab- best deck. yeah. Yeah,
0: so Abzan Midrange was the best. Jund Company was a uh, 55%, which is, you know... Just better than you, so I get to snag my my sweet two points. Uh, rounding us out, uh, I got that nice 69 points. Yeah, buddy. Uh, and then, uh, Jeff. 52. Pretty. 52. All oh, right. So which,
1: it, which is a really important number, because we'll <laughs> talk about it in a minute. We
0: will. If- um, we will talk about that in a minute. Um, but I would just like to say the score is now... Two to three, I I am the.
1: I prefer to think of it as three to two, but.
0: Well, you know, you always say your your score first, right? <laughs> That's like a rule. Yeah. Um, but I would like to say I am the champion of championships. Too bad it's there's true. more. I win the league yeah. weekends and you win
1: the champ. I wish
0: there were more championships and not more league weekends. That'd be really great. Um, yeah. But I guess I'm more of a challenger mind, and you are more of a pro mind. So that probably says <laughs> some bad stuff about me. But anyway, um, I think we, the important thing was you didn't
1: pick Rakdos.
0: I did not pick Rakdos. <laughs> However, I probably should have picked Azorius Auras. Just, I mean, uh, Orzhov Auras. <laughs>
1: Silver Quill Man. Silver
0: Quill Auras is what I wanted to pick. It wouldn't been. It wouldn't have been first, but I would have.
1: Wouldn't have changed anything, but
0: it would have really uh, given me. Um, you know, good that's, feeling. That's
1: your pet deck. That's you my... should have had more faith in it. I,
0: I really should have because it ended up winning the fucking whole thing.
1: You know, I was so close to picking Abzan Midrange as the best deck in the event. <laughs> you know, was
0: just, I was really
1: debating between that and Goblins. And...
0: Yeah, for sure. It was actually, you were talking about Celestnia. Um So, close. But no cigar.
1: I was going to pick a pig deck. You know. Yeah,
0: pig swords is what they're calling it, right? Something like that. Pig Pigblade. blade. Pig blade. Pig blade. Um, anyway, let's go to the best possible team you could ever, ever have. Starting with our MPL players, you would have to get these exact three players. Shahar Shenhar, Shota Yasaoka, and Javier Dominguez. Do you want to do, do the rivals because there's more of them?
1: All right. <laughs> rivals because there's a hundred names here. Okay, so uh, the best pick is Gregor Kowalski, followed by Riku Kumagai then Austin Bercevich. Um And then beyond that, for your fourth pick, there's a number of people you could have picked. Uh, these include Chris Patello, Luis Scott Vargas, Matt Sperling, Luca Magni, Luis Salvato, Bernardo Santos, or Yoshihiku Ikawa.
0: Yes. So all those players are worth 10 points. Kowalski is 16, Kumagai is 12, and Bercevich is 11. With which Austin Bercevich also was playing silver quill auras so i just want to say when
1: i when i saw that auras was uh like a well-performing deck i literally was like well austin must have killed it then because he loves auras yeah
0: and uh it
1: turns out he did
0: he was one of those players where you know on twitter he had said something where he was like oh you know someone had posted an article saying these are the best decks in historic the, the the 10 best decks in historic and he's like wow great that I registered a list that's not on the top 10, and I'm playing Lurus in both formats. And I was like, ooh. I don't know how... So he, he played Rogues? He played Rogues. Yeah, he Yeah, I think he was working with Arne, actually. So. Okay. Um, so he
1: had like gamma, some of the best decks for the event. Exactly. It's hard to go wrong with Lurus, though.
0: Yeah, Lurus is really awesome. Um, I love Lurus.
1: All right, so your meta percentage, you would have picked... So for your meta, you almost just picked everything Zach picked, with one exception. Uh, so your meta percentage would have been Sultimatum uh, in standard, and your top performing standard deck would have been Gruel Adventures. Your meta percentage for Historic would have been Genned Food, and your top performing Historic deck selection would have been Anti-Genned Abzan Midrange. Yes.
0: So the best possible performing deck would have been 105 points.
1: I think this is the worst we've ever done relative to the best possible.
0: I think this is the worst you've (laughs) ever done.
1: (laughs) You still got your ass kicked. No,
0: I got 69. That's great.
1: 36 points lower than you could have got.
0: But I got 69
1: points. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's the perfect. You actually had the perfect team. I had the perfect team. Yeah. Um, Uh, So what I was saying 52 was so impressive is because if you doubled my score, I still wouldn't have gotten... (laughs) The most possible points. Oh, it was 105.
0: Yeah, oh, you would have got 104. That's so funny. Um, anyway, uh, thanks for going on a. Doubled limb.
1: my score. I still could have done better.
0: Yeah, um, that's so funny. Anyway, so that was the tournament. That was our fantasy league. Now we've got a race. Before I was feeling defeated, but I am like a phoenix, and I will rise from these ashes. God, <sighs> I'm ready. Dude, I'm liking my team for two weeks from now, though. I think my team's also I got guys to dominate
1: league League weekends, you
0: know? Yeah, but um, I think my team's pretty great for this next league weekend as well, as long as I can spike this meta just like I spiked this last one. God. (laughs) What, now I'm a mythic player. I'm spiking metas. What, are you you
1: nervous? (laughs) Oh, this gets cocky
0: now. Oh, just kidding. It's because I've had a couple beers. But you know what I don't have right now is... More beer. beer. Oh wait. Oh shit. <laughs> Jeff, do you hear that? I think that's last call. Hey. Oh now I
1: hear
0: <laughs> I think it's time for our last call. but beers. Three, two, one. Hey. Yep. Alright, we, we picked go. our own beer. Makes, picked our own. Makes sense. Um Yeah, I did like the uh the Jordan Harbor, but I there's the sparkle puff. I don't know. It it didn't feel as like Hey, I'm gonna punch you right in your face, like I thought it was going to, and I uh, I liked it quite a bit. So,
1: all okay, right, so let's start
0: with that then. Let's let's yeah. talk about Sparkle let's Puff. Just jump right into it. Um, it definitely feels very alcoholic. Obviously, it's ten point two percent, but, um, yeah, it doesn't. Uh, it d- tastes a lot smoother than that, in my opinion. Like, I don't. I'm not super overpowered.
1: Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, and. That's what I don't like about it. <laughs> when I have a triple IPA, you know, I want it to kind of assault my senses at first until I adapt to it. I think of it in the same vein as I like Russian Imperial Stouts. You know, if your first sip doesn't kind of overwhelm you, I'm immediately less interested in it.
0: Interesting. Um, in, in my, uh, like I've said before, IPAs are not uh, exactly my favorite. And the super hoppy stuff, I don't really care for mm-hmm. Um, So usually doubles and triples are going to be higher in alcohol. So sometimes the alcohol overpowers some of the other flavors. And I prefer that. And it feels really big bodied and uh, like round and kind of smooth because of that. And this is what that's feeling like to me. Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, often like the higher, the higher octane beers do taste smoother because the hops is kind of balanced out by Mm -hmm. the high alcohol content.
0: So um, I like it. I think it's uh it's nice, very palatable. Um, I'm just gonna jump straight to it, though it's probably uh, very solid platinum. Okay,
1: I, uh, I was gonna give this one gold. Wow.
0: Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's fine.
1: Uh, it's just not really what I'm looking for out of a triple, IPA. Um, I don't know, just didn't didn't wow me.
0: Yeah, I thought it was. Uh, Um, better than I thought. I was, I was uh, worried about it a little bit going into it and, um, it feels very digestible. Um, it, uh, it's what I'm looking for if I want something big and it's, uh, not going to kill me. All right. Let's keep it trucking. Uh, Jordan Harbor.
1: Yeah. Jordan Harbor pale ale. Uh, I mean, part of the reason I picked this is because, I don't know, I feel like everything is an IPA or a stout or like something special. Yeah and <laughs> and this nice is not when just special
0: see,
1: when i just see like hey, this is just an ale like mm-hmm. let's just make a solid ale that tastes good and you know we're not putting i don't know some sort of weird fruit you've never heard of in exactly it, like to try to get your attention you know we're just making an ale yeah and uh, i appreciate that so that's why i picked it up because it's it's been hard for me to get that at my local liquor store it's always like you know they're not that big so they always have to
0: Passion stock something fruit, peach that sour the ex- yeah
1: <laughs> exactly mm-hmm. yeah and totally. when i saw this i was like ah it's just a fucking ale yes mm-hmm. <laughs> like let's get that totally uh, and i think it's pretty good it delivers on that promise mm-hmm. um i don't think it's you know blowing my mind
0: yeah um yeah i thought it was solid like i um there's some good qualities about it uh though i wasn't really wowed by it i you know I did like it though. It was it was it was fine. Um, I just don't think I'm going to remember it, uh, and I'll, that's why I'm going to give it gold. I think that I'm just yeah. Gonna... It's not
1: like my go-to ale. Yeah. You know. There there are other uh, places that brew the same kind of thing, exactly. With a little more finesse, I think. But
0: uh, but it was a uh, it was tasty. Um, I yeah, just if I'm being honest, this is probably
1: gold for me as well. Yeah. Just higher gold than mm-hmm. Sparkle Puff was.
0: I'm just imagining I'll, I'll probably pick up Sparkle Puff again, um, more for disc golf reasons. If I'm outside or just want to have basically sure. it, two beers but only carry one, that's, that's why I'll take it and I could probably drink it not super cold and it would be okay. So, um, not necessarily. I don't think I'll
1: pick up either one again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, not super eventful for the beers this week, but lots of other stuff. So you were probably overwhelmed <laughs> yeah. with all the different things we were talking about this week. Uh, so hopefully we will have more of that well we will have more of that in the future Um, and if you want us to do a review of the whole set please tell us because we are thinking about it Um, but uncut
1: unfiltered yeah just like the beer we'll be drinking
0: exactly Um, and the sparkle puff we had this week Um, if you would like us to do a full uncut unrated (laughs) said review oh god we're not gonna talk
1: about paulo again are we no no uh, you can
0: reach us at arena regulars on twitter and instagram
1: yeah also you might find us on arena under the username arena regulars podcast
0: if you would like to talk to me personally zach you can find me at zulberg on twitter and instagram that is z-e-u-l-b-e-r-g but jeff where can they find you
1: Uh, you can find me at blues brews m-t-g on twitter and uh, you might find me streaming occasionally on Twitch, twitch.tv slash
0: So look out for that. Also, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify, iTunes, any way that you are listening to us right now. Uh, just, uh, you know, tell us what you think. Give us a little rating. That'd be really awesome of you. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you that Lorehold is not Boros. Good night. All right, that's fine.